People are so thin-skinned nowadays. If you don't agree with 100% what they believe, they're going to attack you. They're going to attack you. I don't, they couldn't have grown up. They couldn't have been raised in my family. They would have, they would have been died or something, died of, of being offended because that's all my family knew how to do was offend each other. You know? I mean, we did that as a sport. That was a sport. Somebody was, trying to do some, somebody was trying to do some conniving on me on the telephone, and I hung up the phone with my wife, and my wife walked in the room. I said, you know what? They're trying to be conniving. I said, they don't understand. I come from a long, a long line of connivers. <laughs> and I started thinking all these ways I was, with this information. I was connived this and connived that. And you know what? The Lord just said, no, you're just going to do what I want you to do. Like, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm not going to. That's not right. I don't li- I'm, not, I'm supposed to live for the Lord. I represent Jesus Christ now, not myself, so. Revelation 13, 1, the Antichrist and his false prophet. I want to preach this morning on the Antichrist and his false prophet. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now this is, of course, John, and he's writing down what he sees. And he says, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, last time I preached on the Antichrist, I preached about the Antichrist being assassinated and him being assassinated and then resurrected and coming back as the devil, the devil incarnate. Now, I've preached and taught on all these verses, but we're just kind of going over them. Uh, Verse 4, And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who's able to make war with him? Now, this beast is what we call the Antichrist. Verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue forty and two months. Forty and two months is three and a half years. You'll see that over and over and over again in Scripture, three and a half years through the book of Revelation. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And verse 6 shows you that he, if there's a tabernacle there, there has to be another temple built, and that has to ha- take place in Israel. And we're waiting on that to take place. Verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. And those saints are the Jewish saints, not Christians. Christians are raptured out at this time. Christians have been raptured out. We're at, the, we're at Je- Jesus Christ's judgment seat at this time. This is what's going on down on the earth with the, with the Antichrist in the tribulation period. And uh, verse 7, it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. He's a world leader. Verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Verse 10, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now we want to slow down at verse 11. We're picking it back up now at verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. And causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak 
and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he had that mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. I want to preach on this morning the Antichrist and his false prophet. I'm going to ask Brother Collins, do you mind praying over this service, please, brother? Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you for these people that come. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Feed them, Lord. Feed them your word. Yes, Lord, please, Father. Yes. Amen. Amen. So go back up to verse go back up to verse 11. And I beheld another beast. Now, Revelation 16:13 and you got Revelation 19:20 and Revelation 20:10 are going to tell you that that beast is called in the other parts of scripture he's going to be called the false prophet. The false prophet. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Now notice in verse 1 when we read it, it said the Antichrist, the first beast, he came up out of the sea. And now this one's coming up out of the earth. What's interesting about that in my studies in Daniel 7, chapter 3, whenever he's, uh, uh, Daniel's being given the vision of the wild beast, when he's been given that, it says that the, they, 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 they rise up out of the sea. And then whenever these, these, these nations rise up out of the sea, but then when the angel interprets it for Daniel, it says they come up out of the earth. So somehow or another, sea and earth are, 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 are connected some way there. Now, if, this, if you want to take this literal, and you're never wrong with taking this literal, never. You will never go wrong, almost never go wrong taking the Bible literal. If you can't take it liber- literal, then you start figuring out, okay, what's the symbology going on here? Because you'll be amazed how sometimes you'll think, oh, that's not literal, and then you'll find out, oh, that's literal. Yeah, that's pretty literal, all right. It says there, it says he come up out of the earth. So is this false prophet, he could literally be coming from under the ground, from subterranean. What's under the ground right now? Hell. Thank you, brother. Hell's underneath your feet right now. A burning hell, and there's souls down there burning right now. The rich man that Jesus Christ talked about, Lazarus, the one Lazarus sat in front of his house, he's down there right now burning in hell, still to this day. Anybody who dies without Jesus Christ, they're down underneath our feet, so it says a false prophet came out out of the earth. Kind of interesting. And he had two horns like a lamb. So he looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. And I think it's always interesting with the world that the world always tries, anytime they, have a, they, try, they look at a, a religious leader, the world always portrays a religious leader as being feminine. They always have to be soft. They always have to be wearing a suit and a tie. They always have to be real uh, quiet and meek and, and humble. And, and guys, I'm here to tell you that if you look at the prophets of the Old Testament, they're none of those things. And there's, you know, there's nobody like John the Baptist. I mean, <laughs> boy, he was wild, man. He was wild. I was watching this, uh, uh, this movie called Luther. 
has Joseph Fiennes playing Luther, and it's a pretty good movie. And it talks about the story of Martin Luther, how he uh, started the Reformation, how he, he was reading his Bible, and he realized, hey, the Catholic Church, they're charging people to have their sins saved and get their sins removed. He says, the Bible says all you have to do is pray and ask. And so he's reading his Bible, and he's finding that out. And What's interesting, though, that they, they, the Catholic Church put him on trial there in Germany, and they brought him to trial at Germany. And every story I've ever read is told it one way, and this movie was doing really, really good until they got to that trial. And they got to the trial and Joseph Fianna, they had him being real meek and mild-mannered. And, and, and in that trial, he says, uh, he says yeah, I can't, I can't recount what I said. I, here I stand. And he's real meek and mellow and everything. Guys, if you read about that account of, of, of Martin Luther, that they had people there that recorded that trial. They said that Martin Luther stood up and said, here I stand. Here I stand on the Word of God what he's saying. Here I stand. I'm telling you, Martin Luther is a lot more like John the Baptist than he was Joe Olstein. <laughs> and they had this guy acting like he's Joe, all doughy-eyed. No, here, here I stand, you know. Uh, it's not, don't work that way. But here you go, this, they, they, make, they always make him look like a lamb. He looks like a lamb, but he spake, he spake as a dragon. He spake as a dragon. Fierce with fire. Fierce with fire. Verse 12, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the Antichrist is assassinated. And we talked about that. And he's resurrected, evidently put in the temple. He stands up. I'm God, worship me. And the false prophet says, he is God, you must worship him. So the Antichrist, the devil, has his false prophets. And he raises up this one false prophet to point the world to worship him. You've got to take his mark. I'm going to make an image to him. And I'm going to do all kinds of wonderful wonders and, and to make you believe in me. And I want you to worship this guy. Now, I personally, through all these years of studying the Word of God, the church, Bible-believing church through, through the centuries, has always thought that the Pope was going to be the Antichrist. And my study, now this is my personal study, I know there's some other brothers that feel the same way I feel. I don't believe the Antichrist is going to be the Pope. I believe the false prophet is the Pope. I believe the false prophet, this is going to be a Pope here. He's going to be a religious leader already. And he's going to stand up, and he's going to stand up like a lamb. He's going to look like a lamb, like a religious leader, but he's going to be breathing fire, and he's going to be very fierce, and he's going to cause all, he's, all the power of the first beast before him and cause it to earth that them that dwell therein to worship. The beast, the Antichrist. Look at verse 13. He doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. What is that? Well, if you know your Bible, Elijah had the same contest. Elijah said, hey, back in the Old Testament, Israel had gone away and they were worshiping the wrong God. And they, they got away from God Almighty. And Elijah said, you need to worship the real God. And their answer to that was, well, who's the real God? So Elijah said, we're going to have a contest between me and Baal, between my God and Baal, and Baal's God, and the prophets of Baal. And what we're going to do is we're going to build an altar, and we're going to let you build an altar. You put, you put, uh, you put a sacrifice on the altar, and whoever's God can bring fire down from heaven, that's the God. They said, the Baal's prophet said, hey, that sounds like something we want to do. So what did, what did they do? Baal's prophets got up there and they started dancing. They started chanting and they started trying to get their prophet to show, their God to show up. No sign of their God. So it said after hours of that, they got out knives. They started cutting themselves and they started bleeding everywhere. They're crying out to their God. They're crying out to their God. There's no sign to their God. What did Elijah do? 
The Bible says that he started mocking them. That's your prophets. That's God's prophet. He said, hey, maybe your gods went on a long trip or something, fellas. He's just not around. Hey, maybe your gods asleep. Maybe you need to cry a little bit louder. And they got up on that altar and they're, and nothing happened. Elijah said, boys, it's my turn. Come on over here. Dig, dig a trench around here. Big old trench. Give me some barrels of water. And they poured water all in it. Well, why did they do that? Because if you knew anything about the old pagan ways, they would dig tunnels underneath altars. And they dig these tunnels, subterranean tunnels on the altars, come up here, and then they have their false prophet there. And he'd say, I call on you, my God. And those guys underneath that little tunnel would light stuff up, and boo, that thing would light up like a firecracker. And they're like, oh, it's a, it's a God, it's a God. And it's just a trick. So he built that, he dug that trench so nobody could think that that's what's about to happen. He dug that trench, he poured that water on there. He said, pour some water on top of that sacrifice. They poured water on that sacrifice. He goes, no, just give me a little bit more water. And they threw a little bit more water. He said, hey, no, no, give me some more water. So they poured a bunch of water on there. And he goes, God, if you're the God of Israel, please, please bring fire down from heaven. And boy, that fire came down from heaven and whoosh, it come in there and blues. That fire lit that thing up. It said it just smote everything, dried it all up. You know what Israel said? God is the God. God is the God. God is the God. Revelation 13 says something very, very interesting. He doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Makes it sound like there's another contest. Oh yeah, you think your God's God? Yeah, my God's God. He brings fire down from heaven. Well, watch my God. Boosh, brings fire down from heaven. Uh-oh. Not so easy now. This prophet is doing all the same miracles that God's prophets are doing. Uh-oh. You know what's so interesting about this? Judas was called a devil by Jesus Christ. Amen? Y'all remember that? John chapter 6, he's a devil. You know what Judas did? All the same miracles. That's why I believe that Judas is associated with this. Either Judas is the Antichrist or Judas is the false. He's associated somehow with this right here. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. God talks about this. God actually warns Israel about this. Because remember, this is Israel. This is the, the people of the world and Israel. And this is mainly dealing with Israel. So let's go to the Jewish book and see what God had to say to his nation Israel about this kind of thing happening. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. I'm going to turn somewhere else too. I'm going to get this ready. I got another verse I want to read y'all guys. Here's what God told Moses to warn them about. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet. There we go. Or a dreamer of dreams. And give thee a sign or a wonder. And the sign or the wonder come to pass. Brings fire down from heaven and heals somebody. Raising them from the dead. Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet. He's a false prophet. Or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord, God, the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. <laughs> oh. 
God says, hey, there's going to come a time when there's going to be a prophet show up. He's going to be able to do signs. He's going to be doing wonders. He's going to be doing some amazing things. And he's going to say, okay, guys, now we need to start worshiping him. And we need to make an image to him. The Antichrist. And God says, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you. Do you know the Lord can send things into your life to prove you? It's to test you. Because some of us in here have big mouths. And I'm talking to me. I'm not, just, I'm not looking at I'm looking at the back of that clock when I said that. <laughs> some of us have big mouths. I'll use me as an example because there's nobody in this church with a bigger mouth than me. That says things that God says, oh yeah, big boy. I love you, Lord, with all my heart and all my soul. I love you. I would never betray you. Who's that sound like? It sounds like Peter, doesn't it? Anybody in here done that? I'll, I don't care what they do. They're never going to take this Bible from my hands. You know, I even drive around. Sometimes I put it on my truck. It says, you can have my King James Bible when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. And I believe that. But God says, oh, yeah, you believe that? Well, I might send somebody by your way to test you. Oh, you say you're a good Christian? You know what's the biggest, dumbest, idiotic thing I've ever done? Oh, Lord, I got rid of that sin. Praise God, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me from that sin. I go to work that day, and bam, I do that sin. And the devil says, oh, yeah, he's done with it. I'll show him that he's done away with it. And then, boom, I fail the test. And you know what? To get down on your knees and talk to the Lord after you've done something stupid like that, that's very humbling. That humbles you down. There's one thing I've learned about the Christian life. It's very humbling. Very, very humbling. Because as soon as you think, oh, I got this, all this stuff figured out. No, you don't. And the Lord says, I'm going to send them to see if you really with, love your God, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Y'all don't have to turn there. I'm going to read these to you. I'm going to read these to you because I know I, I'm, I, I always turn, get, actually turn to a bunch of scripture. I'm going to read these to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. I lied to you. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He said in the end times that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, being, deceiving and being deceived. Are you sure you're not being deceived this morning? I'm talking to everyone. Are you sure? Are you positive that the world's not deceiving you? Some false prophet's not deceiving you? Are you sure of that? You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, or 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that the devil has his own prophets, and he has his own ministers. And he says there's no marvel, because the angel, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Are you sure that angel that's been talking to you is really from the Lord? Hey, my Mormon friends. Are you sure that angel that Joseph Smith said he's seen, you sure, are you sure he was from the Lord and not from the devil? Hey, my Muslim friends, are you sure that that angel that called itself Gabriel, that gave, gave Muhammad all those revelations, are you sure he was sent from God? Are you sure? Are you not, how, how are you not so sure he wasn't sent from Satan? And you might ask yourself, well, how are you so sure? Well, I'll show you. I'm going to show you <laughs> 
I'll show you in a couple of minutes why I'm so sure. Turn to Second Thessalonians. Turn to Second Thessalonians, brothers and sisters. Turn to Second Thessalonians. We're going to go back to where we first started in this study of the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians, chapter two. Second Thessalonians, chapter two. You know, the Lord, uh, the Lord will deceive you on purpose. If you want to be deceived, He'll deceive you. If you want to believe a lie, He'll let you believe a lie. He'll help you believe that lie. That's a scary thought. That God will turn you over to your thoughts. That God will say, okay, you want to believe that? I'll let you believe it. Let you believe that lie. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 3, just to give you context, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin, Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition. There's only two people named the son of perdition in the Bible. That's the Antichrist and Judas, who, is a, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I think that's after he's been assassinated and he's resurrected. That's when he stands in the temple of God. I'm God. Verse 5. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Skip down to verse 8. And then shall that wicked, verse 8, then shall that wicked, the Antichrist, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. That's a false prophet. Power and signs and lying wonders. He's going to be able to do all kinds of miracles. I mean, he's going to do all kinds of miracles, guys. And the world's going to fall for it. The world's going to fall. He say, well, they're just false miracles. They're not really. It's just illusions. I'm, not tell I'm telling you right now, guys, I believe these things are real. He can do them. He's bringing fire down from heaven. He's doing these amazing things. Look at verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Verse 10 tells you that unrighteousness can deceive you. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness. When you're in unrighteousness, when you're not right with God, you can be deceived and you're being deceived. That's what that says, verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, go to hell, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So what does God do? Verse 11. Look at this. Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. <laughs> God sends them a delusion. God sends them a lie. God says, that's real. He's, there's some kind of thing that he's sending them that they, they, they can't believe it, but it's real to them. And God sends them, and he sends a strong delusion that they should believe. Why? That they all might be damned. Wow, that's your God. You want to go off and do your own thing? That's fine. God says, go off, keep on doing your own thing. But one day, you're going to pay, there's a payday someday. And I'm going to send a strong delusion that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's 2022 right there. Man. Pleasure in unrighteousness. They, they're not only, they're not ashamed, nobody's ashamed of anything anymore. <laughs> Do you remember when back in the day, I mean, I knew I, I know I'm not that old, but you remember back in the day when somebody did something wrong, they tried to hide it? Yeah. They were kind of ashamed of it, kind of did it at night, did it at dark, did it at time. You go to Walmart, you see all those sins out there just as plain as you want to see them. 
stealing, lying, cheating. Uh, you just think of a sin. It's all right there. I mean, it's all right there. But nobody's ashamed of doing it. But had pleasure, had pleasure in unrighteousness. Your God will deceive you and damn you if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's His pleasure to do that. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, this all, all this context is to deal with the tribulation period. So if you're in here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, boy, you, get, you need to get to know Him. Because you can be so deceived. You can be so deep in that. It don't matter how, I, I preached on this last Sunday. It don't matter how smart or sharp you think you are, you can be deceived. You can be deceived. Your mind will lie to you. Your mind will lie to you. Now, I want to finish off by saying this. How can I spot a false prophet? So how can you spot one of these false prophets? And I'm going to give you two ways. I'm going to give you two ways to, to spot one of these false prophets. The first way to spot a false prophet is simply this. Listen to me. It works every time, 100%. Listen. This is the, this is the first and major way you'll spot a false prophet. Anyone... I don't care if it's your mama, your daddy, your granny, your grandpa, your greasy granny. I don't care who it is. Anyone. Anyone. Any church. I don't care what church it is. I don't care if it has Baptists on the front of the church. I don't care. Any person, any church, any organization that demotes, demotes Jesus Christ in any way is a false prophet. Anybody. Anybody that takes Jesus Christ when he's high and exalted and tries to bring him down a couple of notches, that's the Antichrist. That's a false prophet. That's not the Lord God. You know what the Lord God says about Jesus Christ? He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's a ruler of this whole world. He's going to rule this whole universe. He's the one. He's the only one. He is. The whole reason this book was written was because of Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus Christ created everybody in this room. Jesus Christ created the wood that these benches are made of. Jesus Christ created everything you see. Jesus Christ created all things and by all things were created for Him and by Him. So when you take Jesus Christ, I'm looking at you, Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm looking at you, Mormons. When you take Jesus Christ and you start knocking him down a few levels, I'm looking at you, Muslims. When you take Jesus Christ and you say, well, he was only a good prophet. When you take Jesus Christ and you take him from being high and exalted and you start bringing him down, that tells you that's a false prophet. Don't listen to him. Amen. Don't listen to him. The second way you can tell if somebody's a false prophet is anyone. In any church, any denomination, it doesn't matter if it's your greasy granny. I'll say it again. I don't care who it is. If it's a church, if it's an organization, if it's your boss, your co-worker, if it's your most loved person, if it's your wife, if it's your husband, if they in any way demote the Word of God, that's a false prophet. I'm looking at you JWs. I'm looking at you Mormons. If anybody you know Church organization, a person takes the Word of God, the Bible, and demotes it. I'm looking at you Catholics. And they take the Word of God and they say, well, we're going to put this above the Word of God. Or the Word of God, if they do that, that's a false prophet. Brother Keegan, how can you be so sure of this? Because here's the two things that are called truth in your Bible. Because that's what you want, right? You want the truth. You're like, what's true? This miracle's right in front of me. He's doing these amazing miracles. What's true? What's untrue? What's the truth? I don't know what the truth is. The Bible says, John 14, Jesus Christ is truth. 
Secondly, sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. You want to know what the truth is? Jesus Christ and the Bible. So you see it, and you'll see it. You will see it if you study it. You look into this stuff, you'll see it. They'll take Jesus Christ and they'll demote him just a little bit. Or they'll take the word of God and they'll demote it just a little bit. And they don't realize what they're doing, but they are being a false prophet. That's how you tell. Let's close out in Revelation 16. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Just read your Bible. Read your Bible and you'll know the truth. But the truth is, these guys are everywhere. These false prophets are everywhere, guys. False prophets are everywhere. And I, I challenge you, and me and Brother Collins have talked about this multiple times. I challenge you, I challenge you, I challenge you to turn on Christian TV, t TBN, I don't care what it is. To turn, on, uh, turn on YouTube channel, you love to watch your favorite church guy. I don't care what it is. And I want you to think, how many times, how many times, how many times has he mentioned the name Jesus? Or said Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think you might be amazed how many times Jesus is not mentioned. What is that? That's called demoting Jesus Christ. Or you'd be amazed how many times you go to these, listen to these preachers, teachers, and they'll read one verse, they close up the Bible, and they go on and they tell good stories, and they're funny, amen? They're comedians for Christ. They're funny as all get out. They tell real funny stories, but they demote, they demote the Word of God. They take the word of God, they take away the word of God, and they say, okay, now listen to me. I'm gonna say that. That's a false prophet. Now let's look at Revelation 16, 13 in closing. And I'm going to show you something. <laughs> show you something that's kind of crazy. All right, so here's a prophecy of the Antichrist and the, and the false prophet and the, the devil. Verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. There he is. For they are the spirits of the devils working miracles. There's those miracles. They're working miracles. Which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle, the great day of God Almighty. That's the battle of Armageddon. So the devil, what you have there in verse 13, in Revelation 16, 13, is the unholy trinity. You got the dragon. They come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's our holy trinity. That's our unholy trinity. The dragon, of course, being the devil. The beast being the antichrist. And, of course, you know about the false prophet. Notice it says the unclean spirits like frogs. Like frogs. It's interesting how, what the Bible says about amphibians. Snakes. Frogs. When you look at these alien encounters and people saying, I've seen these aliens and I've seen them. They come out of the ship. What do they mostly look like? They look like... Amphibians. They're gray, green, have the little amphibian eyes. Sometimes they're described as having snake eyes. Sometimes they're having eyes like frogs. It's interesting to know that the Bible says those are unclean spirits like frogs. Frogs are types of unclean spirits. That's why when you go out in the world, you see frogs everywhere. Frogs are in statues. Fro we were eating at a Mexican restaurant. There's frogs everywhere on the wall. There are frogs everywhere. <laughs> snakes everywhere. Pictures of snakes. That's the devil. I'm going to show this to you. This might not mean nothing to you, but I'm going to close by showing you this. Um, so we have, what you have going on there in verse 13 is an unholy trinity. We got a holy trinity. Set up like that. The Father, 
the Son, and then the Spirit. They're all three but one. So what you have going on there in verse 13, you've got an unholy trinity. You got the devil down here. You got the false prophet here. I'm going to scribble this out for time's sake. And then, of course, you got the Antichrist. So you got, you got an unholy trinity. God doesn't work in symbols, brothers and sisters. God does not. Let me say that again. God does not. If you get anything out of this service, get this. God does not work in symbols. God works in words. That's why you got a book in your lap. He don't work in symbols. He don't work in symbols. I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I know when somebody's right with the Lord when I go to their house and they have a bunch of scripture on the walls. I went over to some heathens' houses and they got a wall full of crosses. Do you like my wall, my, my wall cross? Look at all those crosses on that wall. And I'm thinking, yeah, I can tell you're not right with God. That's what I think. Why? Because God don't work in symbols. God works in words. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to show you the truth. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's what we've got going on. Okay, so he doesn't work in symbols, so I'm showing you a symbol here right now. And you're like, well, you're being a hypocrite. Amen. I am being a hypocrite. But I'm about to show you something. There's a reason why I wrote this up here like this. You got, the, you got the Holy Spirit, that's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You got the unholy Spirit, unholy Trinity. Antichrist, false prophet, and the devil. What's inter interesting, brothers and sisters, this is always how the Bible, how Christians have used over the world, have used to try to describe God's Trinity. So, we got the Trinity. Right? That's what we the world has been using for the Trinity, a symbol of the Trinity. And you got the unholy Trinity. What is that? That's the Star of David. Now, the, people, the historians believe that the Israel picked that up in the Babylonian captivity. So what you've got this going on is you've got God mixed in here. You've got the devil mixed in here. God's trinity, the devil's trinity. You got Israel as a mixture of God and the devil working. What you got going on there? This is the symbol that, who, who put that symbol on the Jew? Nazis. Hitler. One of the greatest types of the Antichrist we've seen. Hitler. Tried to destroy every one of them. He put this on there. You're a Judea. A mixture of God and Antichrist. The God and the devil. I'm going to close by showing you this. I read you Revelation 18, right? Thir Revelation 13, 18. What did it say the mark of the beast is? The number of the beast. It said it was 666, right? So you got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Right? You got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Inside that, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six. There's many false prophets going out in the world today. But the Antichrist is going to rise up a great false prophet that's going to deceive the whole world. And the only way you're going to avoid that deception is to get under the truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ. And guys, I'm telling you, God doesn't work in symbols. Because all these symbols you see in the world, you almost every one of them can break them down like that. 
you can break them down into saying, oh, that's a, that's a mark. That's a mark. You might read this and see this and think, oh, Brother Keegan, he's anti-Jew. He's anti-Jew. He's a, no, I'm not anti-Jew. I'm not anti-Israel. I'm a strong supporter of Israel. I love the Jew. I believe that the, God, the Jew is God's chosen people. What I'm trying to show you is the Jew has got to answer for some things. And God doesn't work in symbols. And that's just showing you that the devil's working in Israel today. But one day, according to this book, Jesus Christ is going to come back and straighten all that out. And then the Jew, the greatest Jew, is going to rule and reign this whole world with a rod of iron. All this foolishness will stop. That's when that great joy that we want is going to be here. And we can shout, and, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy towards us, Lord God. And I thank you for your words that we might study them, we might read them, Lord. We might, we might fear and tremble them. Tremble at them, Lord God, knowing that you've given us this book, Lord God. And I thank you for the men and women that died, that bled, Lord, that we might have this book in our lap, Lord God. And Father, forgive us for taking it lightly, Lord. Forgive us for putting it on a shelf uh, Monday through Saturday, Lord God, not opening it, not reading it, not caring about it, Lord God, letting it collect dust. Lord God, forgive us. Please, please forgive us for that, Lord. We know you take it serious, Lord God, and you've sent down from heaven these words that we might read them, we might study them, we might get to know you more about you through them, Lord. And I pray, Father, if somebody needs to sound my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord, that this will lead them, Lord, to know that they need to take that free gift of eternal life, Lord. They need to realize that you died for them on the cross, that they're a sinner, and they need to repent, Lord God, and they need to remember, they need to realize, Lord, that you resurrected and you came out of the grave. They believe in your death, burial, and resurrection, Lord, and willing to come to you and take that free gift and receive it, that you'll save them. Lord, thank you for saving us. And we can't wait to see you up in heaven, Lord. We can't wait for all this to take place, Lord. We're praying for you tonight. Lord, maybe right now, Lord, come back and take us. Rapture us out of here, Lord, so we don't have to deal with this, Father. But we thank you for the great hope we have in Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.